Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to the Move the Stairs, episode 74. We're recording on Tuesday, January 10th, 2023, and we are so happy you're joining us for today's conversation. We're excited to be joined by John Spatafora, the president of Veritas Fine Cannabis, a cannabis wholesaler here in Colorado. You know, John spent a couple of decades in the hospitality industry and then transitioned into the cannabis space. So he has a wealth of information about branding and marketing in this industry. Yeah, we're excited to talk to John today. We're going to ask him about the importance of building customer loyalty, you know, how you can manage that when we have such a competitive environment out there right now. Yeah, something we're a big fan of, uh, we're going to talk to John about as well, and that's educating the consumer and why it's so important in working toward building a very resilient CBD brand. And then we're going to tap into John's expertise to hear what he sees on the horizon for for cannabis, for CBD, for hemp, uh, medical marijuana. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? No, we won't do that part. But <laughs> all the other things, he will have some interesting things to share with us today. So let's get started. Let's bring John into the podcast. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. God, we're so happy you're here. And um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself first. Would you do that? Sure, of course. Uh, my name is John. I am the president of Veritas Fine Cannabis. I'm also the head of sales and marketing. Um, that was my first kind of job with the company. I uh, was brought on in late 2014 to create the brand. Uh, way back in the day before it was, we were being sold as white label at, the, at that time. Um, I come from a background in hospitality. I have spent the better part of 20 years uh, managing nightclubs, bars, hotels. Um, I had a pretty successful consulting company where I was doing concept development for some pretty cool names in the hospitality world. Um, literally stumbled into a college friend of mine who was a partner in Veritas, and that's how my career in cannabis got started. But uh, it's been great. It's been a, it's been a super fun transition, and I absolutely love what I do right now. I have to say, from 2014, oh. you've been there a long time. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes right? it feels like it's been a day and sometimes it feels like it's been a, uh, you know, decades. It's been, <laughs> been blowing. We, we make jokes that the highs are very high and the lows are very low in this, in this world. It's, uh, it's can, very, absolutely. a startup world. Yep. Absolutely. I can see that. So you received the first Veritas received the first wholesale license in Colorado. What does that mean? Tell me, tell sure. me why that was important. So as, as the legal weed industry was growing up specifically in Colorado, um, initially, they wrote the rules so that they wanted stores to be growing, producing their own product, and they would grow, sell through their own stores. We were the first license that was not attached to a store, meaning that we were solely wholesale. We had to do something with our product that we felt would allow us to separate ourselves because we didn't have a 
set of stores that were going to be selling our product regardless. We had to make people want it. Um, so that, that's what it means. We were the very first license in Colorado that wasn't attached to a store. Got it. Well, that's fascinating. Um, you know, John, we, we're so happy to have you on the podcast record. Um, you know, we, we have three um, primary pillars, we call them, when it comes to brand protection PR. And one of them is building customer loyalty, which we know um, in the, the cannabis space can be really difficult at times. I mean, whether it's CBD, um, cannabis, um, or medical marijuana, uh, hemp, it can also be thrown into that as well. Um, what are some keys to kind of making yourself stand out uh, amongst your peers in the crowd so that you might, you know, work toward developing some of that customer loyalty? You know, you hit it right on the head for all of those businesses you spoke about. We don't have the normal tools that a lot of businesses have available to them. You know, we've had to learn how to connect with our customer in an environment where our Instagram account can just be pulled from us. You know, we had a year where we had three different Instagram accounts pulled down. Uh, we had 100,000 followers worth of accounts just disappear. And that was at the time our primary method of communicating with the customers. So what we did is we've uh, first we, we tried to identify ways we could better communicate with our customers that were company owned. We invested very heavily in our website, invested very heavily in a PR campaign, but in, in a way that what we really sought was, was the opportunity to tell our story. And we've always been in the belief that uh, because of the methodology we use and, and the kind of core principles that started this company, it was just a matter of sharing information that people valued the most. You know, what's in this? How, you know, what will this? We really focus on terpene education, right? So our products are um, first selected, strains are selected based on the terpene content and our growth style is made to maximize that. Our post-production uh, processes are all driven by terpene preservation. And then on the sales side, we really focus on educating the consumer so they can find what's right for them. All the way down to, I think that we're still, as far as I know, the only wholesale brand that's figured out how to identify where our products are every day. So you can wow. go to the Veritas website and have a strain that you're, you're looking for, maybe sour diesel. You can type in sour diesel and actually see a list of stores that have that on the menu uh, this morning, which was a pretty kind of critical way. And so again, all this was about finding ways that we could communicate with the customer on our own terms and answer the questions that were most important to them without losing those vehicles, because we didn't, especially in the beginning, have the ability to do Google ads or the traditional methods you would, you would market products with. Um, so I think that, you know, the positive of that is it forced us to really try and find ways to meet the customer where they were and to communicate with them in that space. And we always took the approach of doing it, not in a way that was preachy or salesy, but just educational. This is what we're doing. Here's information if you'd like to learn more. And for us, that's been a very effective tool towards um, establishing a real uh, conversation with our customer. That's more than just only when we have something hot or only when something goes bad. It kind of is all those things and more. Yeah, All right. good input. You mentioned, John, you've been in this space since 2014. So you know that cannabis consumers in particular, they seem better educated today than they were maybe 10 years ago or so. So is that continuing education? Is that still useful in building a, a, a customer loyalty, a customer base? Because I know a lot of the small businesses may be, gosh, I, I am so swamped. I don't know if I have time for this, but it's important, isn't it? Oh, I think it's critical. Um, and it, it's it's funny you, you touch on that. My business partner actually had kind of a revolutionary statement internally, but it was a couple of years ago. And he was like, you know, right now there's more people who, the people who buy our product have only known buying this product legally. They've, they, they're most of their life or a good majority of them have spent this time growing up with weed where they're going into stores 
talking to bartenders and forming opinions about what they like in the same way that any of us do if you discover wine or whiskey or one of these kind of nuanced um, uh, products that if you really dive into Pinot Noir and you understand the Willamette Valley, you're like, okay, I get it. I understand why it's more expensive. This is really kind of phenomenal. So many of our consumers, because weed's been legal in Colorado for eight years, have been going into stores and talking to bud tenders and smelling jars. You know, we, we kind of got away from how I used to buy weed when I was in college, which was from someone who had it. And, you know, hopefully it was what they lived up to. And if it was, you bought it from them again. If not, you went somewhere else. We're now dealing with a consumer base that's starting to understand what they want. And we're dealing with a community and I think a knowledge base that is understanding the plant and the product in a much better way, in a much deeper way. That uh, So the expectation, I think, is that brands are going to be able to communicate more and be able to explain what they're doing and why and what those effects should be, uh, which I think is a great thing. I think it's good for brands. I also think it's really good for the consumer because it's just making us all be better. Absolutely. And I would think that um, that communication really involves uh, outreach to the community. So do you think outreach to the consumer, if your brand collaborates with, you know, say musicians or community events or charities for that matter? Yep. We consider all those to be part of what we call our influencer strategy. Okay. So, you know, we I don't believe in the kind of online paid advertiser and it's someone who's who's Instagram feed is just constantly full of ads. Instead, you know, we're very fortunate that we, we produce a really good product and that we've got a brand that, that has a high level of co uh, connectivity with a consumer. And what we do is we look to involve ourselves with people who we think are influential for our customers, you know, and that could be sometimes just an artist. And it could mean that we sponsor someone to go and, and put murals in a couple of locations. It could be that we, we, commission art for our annual ski giveaway. And then we will repurpose that for merch in a few areas. And it really kind of provides some exposure for an artist, but we, we really seek to interact with that individual and become part of their sphere. And it's not just a, Hey, do this for me. So your people know about us. We want to become part of, of that lifestyle. You know, we we've done that. We, this is our fourth year of giving away skis in the wintertime. So we do a run of custom skis with the best local ski manufacturer, uh, Icelandic, bringing a different artist every year. And we create an environment where there's a velocity with the product now because and it's not just that we're giving something away. It's you're really connecting with the outdoor sports community, with, you know, kind of Colorado in general in the wintertime with fans of those artists. And, and people see that that's a really meaningful contribution. And I think we take that exact same approach in everything we do. You know, we did a last year, we did a collaboration for 420 uh, with Oscar Blues, the brewery. And that was that was intentional. You know, we feel that there's a high amount of overlap for people who value high quality beer and people who value high quality cannabis. Um, and so we looked we worked with the Oscar Blues team to really seek a, a real overlap for where these products connected. And what we found the overlap was that both the flavor of high quality beer and the flavor of high quality weed are driven by terpenes. And so we, we they created a beer that had a very similar terpene profile to a couple strains that we had. And that was a great example, I think, of just not really marketing, but just trying to connect with the consumer where they were. You're, you're building a relationship there. And, and I love the fact that you're really focused on the terpenes, too. I mean, you know exactly what it is that's differentiating you. So that's that's huge as far as building that customer loyalty. A hundred percent. We also I think the way that we categorize our product, I'll show you. We've um, Based on the terpene test, we ter test everything that we put out. And so if you look at the jar, there's this kind of stripe on it. Um, we've got the categories that are based on what those terpene profiles are. And the basic idea is that we run so many strains and, and the likelihood of electric lemonade being available the next time you go to the store is you know, not necessarily there. 
but we try and, and categorize based on similar uh, similar terpene profiles so that the consumer can find what they're looking for. And I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. When I first got here, I'll never forget, we had just moved back to Denver and we were at Red Rocks uh, with some friends of mine. And my wife, who didn't at the time smoked very little weed, and she's still not a huge consumer, especially compared to me. Um, I didn't understand it well enough and I got her the wrong strain. And we were watching the whalers and, you know, sharing a joint with some friends. About five minutes later, she's in a really bad place. And we spent the majority of that concert at the top of Red Rocks kind of talking her out of where she was at. Right. And for me, as someone who was just kind of re-engaging with weed in the level that I was, this was very early in the brand, it was really apparent that we needed to do a better job of communicating with the consumer what this may or may not do with them. And that, because terpenes and cannabinoids are so personal, you know, what it does to Mitch or what it does to Jordan might be different. But one thing that is consistent is how those terpenes will affect you individually. So we try and put all that information out there. So for the consumer who really wants to understand, you know, you can follow the things that are, that are help you to get where you want to go. That's great. And it just builds trust. And that's what you're really after when it comes yeah. right down to it. It's the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it all, it goes, goes back to communication. Of course, it's yep. something we're very near and dear to. So that brings us uh, to our next segment. We call this insider media relations. Um, here at MNC Communications, because as we mentioned, we're all former journalists. So we use those experiences of ours over the years to prepare clients to take advantage of any kind of media opportunity that may come along by positioning them really as an industry leader, an expert, uh, a spokesperson, uh, large or small, who can give some great interviews and help communicate uh, those important messages. Yeah, I think it's important. So with all that, um, it is. And, you know, with all that being mentioned by Mitch, you know, John, we'd love to hear, you know, your opinion on the importance, um, you know, for brands large and small of sharing its story um, with the media and the public. And I, I think you already mentioned this a little bit, how you um, talked about your social media struggles and turned to your website and use, you know, uh, your own content. Um, that is what you produce on your website to reach out to your consumers. Uh, so what role does that play when reaching out to the media? So I think it's incredibly important to have a fluid and honest conversation with the media. You know, the, the reality is, and this last year is a great example of it. I mean, we are the largest brand in Colorado by shelf space, by, you know, uh, sales from a wholesale perspective. Um, I think last I checked, we were in 32% of all shelves. Uh, the next closest flower run is like 17%. Wow. There's a lot of good that goes into that. There's also a lot of attention that comes on that. And when something bad happens, you know, it, it creates a, everybody wants to talk about it, right? And, and it's an important um, thing to, I think, embrace and to take hold of. What we learned this last year is that we try to make very thoughtful decisions. We try to make very intelligent decisions for the business. And sometimes that means doing things that, that you don't want to do. We had to close a facility over the summertime. And with that closure, that was a response to the market contracting right. and the reality of, for a period of time, the state was producing much more product than it needed. And in order to preserve the brand, we needed to, to contract the amount of product we were putting out. And so, um, you know, unfortunately that involved, I think we had to lay off 34 different individuals, which was, which is a very challenging time to do. We approached that I, uh, specifically of let's tell our story and explain what happened. You know, the reality is, this is brutal. You know, we know that we were a focal point for the market. We we're with that kind of distribution. It comes a lot of attention. And when we closed the facility, it was a, it was a public thing. It got picked up by multiple newspapers. It got picked up by lots of industry trade. And we took the approach of, look, let's just get out and tell the story. At the end of the day, I think what it, what it accomplished is it allowed us to, 
it humanized the brand a little bit. We were very honest about the feelings and about kind of the decision process we went down. And, you know, I think that from a um, regaining or, or maintaining credibility with our staff, as well as with the market, I think that people responded really well to that. So from, from an engaging with the media standpoint, we always just try and take a very honest approach. We wanted to get out in front of things. We want to talk about the good. We also want to talk about the bad. You know, and the, the advantage of that, as you kind of alluded to, is that you start becoming this perceived industry expert, which I always joke around. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of speaking at a couple of conferences this year, and I'm still not mature enough to not drop an F-bomb on stage every once in a while. But, you know, I think it's kind of that, like, that honest approach that makes it um, that makes it engaging. And so that was the same. You know, we went through some bad shit. This, this world is a tough world right now, and it's going to be that way for a lot of businesses. So I think that facing those problems head on and and confronting them and understanding that you got to do something to get around is important. And I think that taking that approach, at least from the majority of the consumers appreciated the fact that we were, we were open and honest about it. And I know from an employee standpoint, we had very honest conversation with our staff. So where we're at, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is what the plan is. Um, not to say that plan doesn't change from time to time, you know, this world moves quite a bit, but to be focused on it is, has been a good thing for us. I love that because I think it is so important. And, and I would say you're unique in the people that we deal with, um, who that you're, you're willing to take on those negative stories as well, because it really does build your credibility. It builds what we call that trust bucket. Um, and it builds it not only with the consumer, but I think it also builds it with the press. What I'm interested in though, is my guess is there's a lot of members of the press. Um, and, and as the industry is continuously, researching and there's new information they're, they're just not well educated on whether it's cbd or hemp or marijuana or um uh, or medical marijuana when you're talking to the press how do you best educate them so that they come away with a good story but you also know that they have a better idea of what they're talking about sure um no that's a that's a fantastic question and i honestly think that if you look at how this business is evolving and there's different rules in every state and there's different rules in every jurisdiction there's different definitions you know medical marijuana in canada means something very different than it means in america with respect to how it's approached in the process um you know i think it's important for us all to keep in mind that the rules are changing every day that like so we're, we're all teaching each other constantly you know what we try and do is give a very honest backstory of who we are and why we are where we are um, and I think that we we do a pretty good job of keeping the fundamental story very consistent, which is about the quality of the products and the terpenes and, and that being a driving force on why our product is a different um, is a different product for the consumer. And I think that that the story of how we produce that really just kind of walks down the road of our interpretation of cannabis and, and why we believe it is the way it is. So I don't know if we're necessarily educating them on the larger world, but I think that we've certainly become. Um, we, you know, we've got a great rapport with a few different publications now, and I think that I don't look at it as much as we're educating them. I think it's a it's a back and forth constantly. You know, that from the press standpoint, we're still a single state operator. We're launching our first licensing partner in about a month, and then we've got an additional kind of partnership project that'll come later this year. But from most of my standpoint, we're really a single state operator, and being in that single state operator, you know, the press gives us viewpoints into a lot how other people are handling things. I always love to ask the question. You know, you talk to a lot of people, what's, what are they doing in California or Michigan that you don't see us doing that you think is, is helping the people? Because I think that 
viewpoints into all these different markets is just important for us all. You know, we're we're in a silo as a as a as a cannabis operator, and I think same thing on the CBD hemp side. It's muddy with how you can get advice and where you can communicate. So the more information we can share is the better. So I long way of saying I think that we're all educating each other, and I think it's going to be that way for a minute. Um, this is still a business that's very much in its infancy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, keeping those channels open was key when I, when you were talking there, because then you are able to not only learn more yourself, but perhaps pass on some pertinent information for those people who are writing or are yeah. talking about this. You know, there's been a good thing as you look at this last year and, and the economics of the business have changed significantly. One thing that I really enjoyed is that it's opened the flow of communication amongst brands, you know, people who we consider to be our top competitors. Um, there's been times we've been faced with things and I've had people reach out and be like, hey, you need anything. I've been through some similar stuff. Let's talk about it. Um, and then conversely, I've had people just randomly reach out to me and say, hey, we're going through X, Y, or Z. Have you guys ever seen something like this? And that's a relatively new thing. I think that it's, it, and it comes from, you know, and it's, it's from the press and it's also from competition. It's like as a group, we're all trying to figure out the right way to continue to move forward and, and see positive gains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of journalists, a lot of media platforms out there to choose from. And rather than some just shotgun blast to get their attention, what advice would you have for a, a business owner when it comes to choosing the right reporter to reach out to at that right time? You know, that's tough because I kind of am lazy on here. We have a phenomenal PR team that we use and they are very, very, very engaged with a multitude of reporters. So, you know, from a, from my standpoint on the business side, we try and focus on doing what we do best and really allowing experts to carry the day, whether that's in our own space and trusting the sales team when, when they're talking about, we get down to the end and we, not, we have to talk about pricing on a product or trusting the gut of the QC expert at our facility, even if it represents, you know, making a decision that, that's economically not good for the business. And I think the same thing, you know, as I look towards, towards a press standpoint, I put a lot of faith in our PR partner to make sure that we're putting ourselves in situations that um, we'll be able to tell the story properly. You know, and I think that it's, get the story out and wide and be honest with it. But we know that we need to vet and have the right experience as well so that nothing gets twisted around. And that's where I think we rely really heavily on our partners. I, I wish I had a better answer. I don't know how to do the vetting. So hopefully you guys aren't here to crucify us, but it's- uh, yeah. <laughs> No, I like the I fact that you rely on your PR firm. That's good. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I think you look people in the eye and be honest too. That's the, if when you, I do every interview with video when possible, because even if it's, if we're on a phone, I like to, let's just have a conversation, you know, at the end yeah. of the day. My ugly mug doesn't really add a lot to the thing, but it lets people know that we're engaged and we're paying attention to it. And I think that's yeah. important. I'm not thinking it's so ugly anyway, but that's a decide. Anyway, so <laughs> CBD and cannabis business owners, you know, are constantly on the lookout for ways to strengthen their business. You know, whether the threats to the bottom line and their reputation, because those and with all the reasons going on, you know, there's another shoe to drop, but at the same time, we're in, we're right now but we finally have we help clients find the opportunity in every challenge and really try to polish those reputations and prepare for the unexpected and that's how we build resilient brands yeah and i and i think diane broke up there a little bit but i think john you got the gist of it here and that's kind of going to be the third part of our conversation is you know working toward some of that brand resiliency. So, you know, my question for you is to break out your crystal ball. Um, uh, I don't expect you to pick the Super Bowl winner, like Mitch alluded to earlier. <laughs> but um, we're the curious, bill. now that we're ah, in 2023. We I hate to say it. He's on the record now. 
I okay. consider it to be. All right, you heard it here first. <laughs> it's one of the greatest mistakes that John Elway ever made in the Broncos' head to let Josh Allen get away from under our nose from a program <laughs> that was never on TV. And the dude, you just have to. If the Broncos aren't in it, that's who I'm cheering for. So I'm, I'm, I'm picking Bill. <laughs> here we go. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I, I am a Broncos fan. All of us on this podcast are. So I think we're all feeling that little sting every every year that we see them in the playoffs yeah. and not right. the orange and blue. <laughs> um, but we'll get the train back on the tracks here. We're, we're good at getting the train off the tracks, by the way. It's not just you, so don't worry about oh, it. Um, <laughs> it's me. I, have I am the master of that. Yeah. We're, we're safely entrenched in 2023 now. Um, so you've got to be looking toward the future. You know, what issues are you looking at um, in the cannabis space, good and bad, um, that you're focused on, you think other business owners are focused on? Um, because as you mentioned earlier, oftentimes because the industry is, is in its infancy, you're collaborating with other folks in the industry saying, here here's how I can help you. Um, whereas they may be reaching out to you saying, Here's my experiences too. So what are you focused on here? You know, I think that for the last seven years, all that we've known was expansion. We've never known being able to grow enough. We've never been able to put out enough. You know, we had a run of, I think, over three years where the inventory sold out before Monday afternoon. Like just, it was it was incredibly, incredibly fast. And there was a lot of people in this business who had that same um, approach and were seeing the same set of results. And as we've gotten into a very unique world where the cost of everything in my life, except for cannabis, has gone up. You know, there's very few things that have not gotten more expensive. Uh, but cannabis is one. And for, for, you know, I think there's a bunch of reasons around that. We have been focusing as a business. Um, in fact, right now we're revising our 2023 business plan again to, to really say, OK, well, what's most important to us? The quality of the product in the jar, the quality of the engagement of the consumer and that engagement leading to a product that the consumer will go to the store and buy. And we've challenged our leadership team to say, let's look at everything we're doing and understand that we have to be much more methodical with, with our spend at this point in time. We still want to maintain that brand engagement and certainly we want to maintain the quality. Um, but, you know, we built a brand based on hand touch at every point, which is fantastic. But that's also creates challenges, right? So as a brand, we're really focused on understanding that the world economy has more to do with it has, a, has a tremendous impact on us and all these other things and saying, okay, we're at this final spot. Let's tighten up. Let's make this business better. Let's make it, let's make it stronger foundationally. Um, so that when we get through this, we will be able to appreciate the spoils of that. And so I think that that's what we're doing. I think that's what a lot of other, you know, cannabis brands are doing. We're looking at ways we can diversify our menu um, intelligently and make sure that we're proud of every product we stand behind that we put out. But you know, it's it's where do you make intelligent decisions? Because it's uh, the the world is very different than what it was a year ago. I mean, literally, our January twenty two and January twenty three could not be further polar opposites. And at the end of the day, I think this is going to be the great growing up. You know, it's going to impact us. It's going to impact a lot of other brands because you know the ability to just expand, 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 and continue to feed that machine is no longer here for the time being. And so, I think that's where you'll see some really intelligent decisions, whether that's in your marketing spend. Or anywhere else, you know, we don't. I'm not a proponent of of chopping marketing spend. That's typically the first thing that happens. But I, you know, we've been able to maintain price and distribution, and, and that's a function of continued engagement with the consumer. So it becomes, how do we, how are we become smarter, you know, and make sure that we continue to be incredibly proud of what we're putting out, both from an experience and from a product standpoint. Yeah, it's constantly evolving. Yep. You know, one of the other things we're talking about creating a resilient uh, a, a brand is we talk about 
keeping your business in a position uh, or your leadership uh, if, to be interviewed for stories when things come up, good or bad, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, when it, and when it arises and keep those channels open. Are there any things that you found really work best to help your business position uh, yourself as a thought leader now? So then when the media does need a source, you're one of the first people they think of? You know, I think that um, making you, you hit it right on the head and I think it's making yourself available. And it's that I mean, I've done interviews on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock headed into Memorial Day weekend because something an opportunity came up that was worthwhile. Um, you know, we've I, I think it's just important to make yourself available and to, to maintain the consistency. And I think for us, that's always been easy because the story is just the story and we're not telling a story. This is kind of just sharing the facts. But I found that the, you know, being available when people needed information has led to opportunities where we need to get information out. People are much more engaged from that side. So I think it's obviously everything is a push and pull. And we want to make sure that there's value in it from the reporter standpoint. If they if they want to get a story and we think there's a way that we can speak to it, doing that early and doing that consistently and also doing that with multiple individuals. You know, we've got, I think, six or seven people who represent us in the media right now. Which is important because this isn't this isn't my story. This is our story, right? And this is something where you know we've got a lot of really great people in a lot of places who are leading to the success that we've enjoyed. So I think that also has been pretty important for us from a media standpoint is that having multiple points of contact. And it's like you've got an expert or two in the garden. You've got you know our our logistics uh, front of house vice president is absolutely amazing, and he can speak to you know, a lot of a very specific type of, of articles that he's had a lot of placements. So I think that's also really important is just open it up and don't make it all about one person or one skill set, you know, make it about what this brand stands behind and the multiple people who can speak to that has been helpful for us. It does spreading it around. I think that's really important. And and I, I was very interested earlier when you talked about you're you're very comfortable, even if it's a negative news story, because that's not what we hear a whole lot. It's like, in fact, it's sometimes the fear of a lot of business owners is I don't want to be the person that's out there because um, when the negative news happens, I'm going to be the one that they call. Oh, yeah. Right. So how do you suggest business owners handle the press in those situations? And do you think that there's a way, is there something that you use? Um, so that you can take that negative and turn it into a positive. I'm interested to hear what you do. Well, first of all, it's uh, it's never fun, right? And so I think it's it, it it doesn't necessarily get easy. But I think that what we realized is that you get to a spot where the story is going to be told, and you have a decision about whether you can help to influence and, and tell your side of that story or not. And I think that as a brand, you know, it's we we learned this early, right? We, there was a situation many many years ago uh, where an influencer um, went and found some product that, that didn't meet standards and contacted us. And the, the response to them wasn't maybe as, as engaging as we would have liked. And that turned into a pretty negative situation. And what we learned is that, look, when something goes wrong, we're going to own it from the very beginning. And that led to our company adopting a very kind of Costco Nordstrom style return policy. If you open an eighth and see a seat in it, please let us know because we'd like to make that right. And I think that, you know, having that humbleness to listen when, to what we were actually hearing and then step back and say, OK, well, then what are we going to do about this? How do we fix it? How do we make it so it's it's a, um, a learning experience as opposed to just a, a negative press opportunity? Right. And so, you know, I also think that just being just being honest, you know, at the end of the day, as long as the story is the story and you take this approach, we, we try and keep a very even keel. You know, we, we don't carry a huge ego into the conversation when we do well or when we do bad, you know, and that's, I think, 
I think we've gotten to us we've, we've achieved a spot where the media often appreciates that now and they understand this isn't going to be braggadocious more winning and I think that maybe they they're more open to just getting the real story than when something goes wrong as well and humility goes a long way doesn't it I mean it does. I think the other side of it is that not having that happen in a vacuum like if something goes right. wrong we we then seek to address it as an operation because I don't want to deal with that one again you know and so I think that kind of transparency is is really um, evident internally because we talk very frequently throughout the organization about problems, whether that's a consumer complaint we saw, something our internal team is, is, is witnessing or a process that's not working the way that we hoped it would. And that's from the garden through the, the kind of supporting the store sales channels. You know, we try to have very open conversations about those things. I love that. Yeah, that, that's just a, a fantastic answer. And I think you broke it down um, really nicely. Uh, for all of our, our listeners here. So, um, John, fantastic interview. We cannot thank you enough for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. Uh, before we let you run, can you let all of our listeners know uh, where they can find you, where they can find uh, Veritas products? No, of course. And thank you for having me. This was a blast. I really, it's, uh, I really, really enjoyed this time. Um, we're available across the state of Colorado currently, uh, pretty much everywhere. So if you go to veritascannabis.com, um, there's a store locator. Like I said, we actually have technology. We're scraping store menus daily and updating that. So one of the unique features we have is you can actually find the, the specific product you want that's closest to you. Very proud of that one. That's, that's very cool. cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Too. That was John. great. All right. I mean, I love that. Yeah. That was, there was yeah. so much in there. You know, I love the fact that he was talking about how he used his own media and was not relying so much on social media when he was talking about building customer loyalty and developing that relationship, whether it was through community outreach or through influencers with his customers. Um, I think that that's really, really important because you have to have that element so that you can be consistent because that's what they want is consistency if you want the loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was interesting when, he, when we were talking about the area of insider media relations, he talked about keeping those channels open because I know a lot of small businesses go, oh, the media, I'm afraid of them. Where, of course, we teach them here at MNC, no, no, to work with them. And, and it's a, it really is a discourse about all of us learning, especially at a business like this that's ever changing. So the fact that he was keeping those channels open, keeping that conversation open, then when something really good happened, who did they think of? Well, one of them would have been Veritas because he'd already established those connections. Right, exactly. And you know why those connections were established is because John talked about the importance of making yourself available. Uh, yes. And I, I love yeah. how he referenced, you know, hey, I've gotten calls to do a media interview <laughs> at 4.50 uh, on the Friday leading into Memorial Day weekend. And hey, I did it. I did that interview. Uh, and I think that goes a long way um, toward building thought leadership and a resilient um, brand. So whether it's CBD, medical marijuana, hemp, um, it, it's a great blueprint to building those relationships reporters uh, with reporters. Because, by the way, you're bailing them out, too, if they're heading into Memorial Day weekend when they know there's <laughs> absolutely zero chance they're going to get a hold of anybody they want right. to talk to. So I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They, they will appreciate that and, and remember that too. I know as a reporter. We've all been in those shoes uh, in that. Oh, area. yes, absolutely. I'm going to do what? This late, this hour? Yeah, you got to find somebody. Yeah. Well, we want to thank again our special guest, John Spedafora today, the president of Veritas Fine Cannabis for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. We thank you as well for listening and we'll hope you'll join us again soon for our next all new episode 
of the Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.